Well, good evening, seed of you. Welcome to Ask Pastor Don. If you have a question, send it to APD at seedofyou.org, and we'll try and take some time in our evening sessions together on Sunday night uh, to go over some of them. Here's one that came in. <clears throat> Pastor Don, Satan and his followers were thrown out of heaven and banished to earth before the Father created Adam and Eve. So why would the Lord place his children in the same place where his enemy was banished? Which leads to other questions. Why wouldn't he have separated us, his children, from his enemy? Wouldn't the Father want to protect his children? For that matter, why doesn't God banish Satan right now? Why does he keep us here with him in this evil world? It's a good question. It's, uh, I'm not sure I can show you one verse that kind of answers all those questions, but I think there are a number of biblical texts that really do make it a fascinating issue that I want to study together. So, so before I come to a specific answer, let's look at some of the background truths that we know that at least help sharpen the focus of this issue for us. I have four or five thoughts I want to leave with you tonight. First, we know that our Lord is master and creator of all that exists. There's just no escaping this. Paul writes in Colossians 1, 15 through 17, He, that's Christ, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Notice, not the first creation of all, the firstborn, that's different, of all creation. For by him all things were created. In heaven and on earth, now listen, visible, invisible, thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him, that is in Christ, all things hold together. Now those are pretty strong words. So our Lord, Paul says, made everything that exists. He, he breathed out creatively every spiritual power and ruler. He is the sovereign creator over all. Paul says everything else in creation owes its existence to him. Everything owes its existence to him. And that means they exist to do whatever they do only by Christ's permissive and sustaining power. Now, if you look at it one way, of course, that's the problem with our opening question. I mean, if the Godhead was just unable to do anything about Satan and his minions, true, we'd be in spiritual trouble, but at least we'd have no lack of understanding about the mess this whole created order is in. I mean, God would simply be unable to do anything much about it. So the intellectual side of the issue would at least be solved. But Paul, and many, many, many other biblical statements, Paul indicates there is no lack of power, no lack of ability with God. So we're going to have to look somewhere else for answers. Secondly, we know Satan is clearly identified as the ruler of this world. We might not like it. 1 John 5.19 we know that we are from God, and the whole world 
lies in the power of the evil one. Think about that phrase. The whole world lies in the power of the evil one. The interesting feature of that verse is the way it insists on holding together the truth from our first point. Our Lord is master and creator of all that exists. Holds it together with another truth that looks perplexing. The whole world lies in the power of the evil one. So we know our question is at least on track. I mean, God could have done something with Satan's power, but he didn't. So we're going to have to find reasons for this divine choice. But there's another reference under this second point. John 14, 29 to 31 says this. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for, here it is, the ruler of this world is coming. That's what Jesus calls him. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. Now, the important detail there is Jesus himself identifies Satan as the ruler of this world. So Satan has power in this world. He acts as though he's on his home turf in this world. He exercises mighty sway in this world. He seems to be able to do his own bidding at will, and Jesus makes no attempt to deny the ruler of this world. So we need to keep studying. Point number three. We know that all through his earthly ministry, Jesus manifested his authority over the demonic realm. There's so many texts. Let me just read Mark 5. I'm going to read the first verse and then verses 6 through 13, just to shorten things up a bit. They came, this is the disciples, they came to the other side of the sea, so to the country of the Gerasenes. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. This is this demon-possessed man. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Jesus was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? And he replied, My name is Legion. For we are many. A lot of demonic strongholds there. Ten. And he begged him earnestly to not send him out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. And they, they begged him saying, send us into the pigs. All these demons speaking together. Let us enter them. So he, he gave them permission. Jesus gave them permission. And the unclean spirits came out, entered the pigs, and the herd numbering about 2,000. So does that mean there were 2,000 demons? You know, I, I don't know. Rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. Now, I chose that paragraph. There's many times where Jesus cast out demons and exercised his authority over Satan's realm. I chose that passage out of all the other options because in this passage, we find Jesus casting out many demons, legion is the word, with no more effort 
exerted than when he cast out one. So such is the power and authority of our Lord. He just speaks. So we have to keep looking. Four, point number four. We know that even now, God is able to empower and keep his children in the face of Satan's deceptive and destructive work. I get that from Ephesians 6, 10 to 13, Paul in these familiar words. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. You can do this. You may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers. Notice, they're called rulers. Against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness. Against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. So, so just to be clear, in our first point, I was asserting God's creative ability and might over all of his creation. This point stresses something different because in this beloved Ephesians text, Paul is talking about God's provision to enable us to stand. It's about us. Us to stand against the power and temptations of Satan in our lives. So, these verses answer the last part of the question. Wouldn't God want to protect his children? That's what was asked. So, the answer we have from Paul is, yes, God desires and he does. He does protect his children. The bigger question is less obvious. How would we ever realize God could protect us if he removed the work of the enemy right away? What would he protect us from? We would never see or learn about God's protecting power if Satan was eliminated right off the bat. Next point. We know that one day Satan will be cast in judgment into the lake of fire. God will deal with Satan. It's in Revelation 20, 10 to 15. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were, and they would be tormented day and night forever and, and ever. I'll just, I'll just read that much. So Satan's end is as sure as the eternal judgment of those rejecting Christ on Judgment Day. Our Lord will cast down Satan as surely as he cast down those demonic powers during his earthly ministry. But this will be permanent. One of the things fueling Satan's work in this present age is he knows that his time is short. Revelation 12, 12. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath because he knows that his time is short. So God will deal with Satan. But none of that really answers our opening question. We haven't gotten there yet. If Jesus had such creative authority over Satan and his minions, 
even though Satan is temporarily called the ruler of this world, why did God place him here on earth? And even if he did place him here, why not send him into the lake of fire right now? We know he's going to be cast there eventually, so why let him steal and kill and destroy for all these centuries? Why not just get rid of Satan right now, make this created order a lovely, godly place? Now, now I want to address that. I have two closing points, so five and six. Five. Without the presence of a tempter and temptation there would be no opportunity to prove loyalty to Christ. I think that's crucial. Without the presence of a tempter and temptation, there would be no opportunity to prove loyalty to Christ. Imagine. Imagine my wife and I were somehow deserted on an uncharted island. We've been the only two on the island since we were stranded there on our honeymoon. Okay, and we're both going to be stranded on that same island all alone until we die. Nobody else. From our honeymoon to the grave. Now, am I really to be praised because I was faithful to my wife? That's ridiculous. Did my marital faithfulness really demonstrate devotion to her alone? Now, just to be clear... I might have been devoted inwardly to my wife all those years. It's possible that I was. The real point, however, is we'll never know. My devotion to her was never tested by any other options. That's what faithfulness is all about. Faithfulness is about loyalty in the face of other options. That's the reason all marriage vows, at least any worth repeating, declare those priority words, those loyalty words. And forsaking all others, keep me only unto. So without the presence of a tempter and temptation, there would be no opportunity to prove loyalty to Christ. And six, this might be the most important point of all. God's desire is not only to prove himself more powerful than Satan, but to prove himself more desirable than Satan. If there's anything we clearly learn from the ministry of Jesus, it's his absolute mastery over the devil and all of his minions. So we know there was no inability to vanquish Satan at any time. That was proven the way Jesus dealt with him. So, so the ultimate reason for not doing so is that wouldn't demonstrate what needed demonstrating. That wouldn't demonstrate what needed demonstrating. If he just eliminated Satan immediately, it would prove him more powerful. But that's not what he's out to demonstrate. The desire of God is the undoing of the lie of the serpent in the garden. So, so it takes no great imagination to see our creator God as more powerful than any of the creatures he created. That's not hard to imagine. But the immediate destruction of Satan would do nothing to set the record straight 
that caused the fall of mankind. We would never have been given the opportunity by choice to demonstrate the superior delight there is in honoring God over all else. John 10, 10, John 10, 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it more abundantly. So we know those words, John 10, 10. But I want you to think about what Jesus is doing in those words. He delineates two options of devotion in this world. And his call for us is to make an accurate comparison and an accurate decision. The plan is not to immediately eliminate the thief, but to expose his lies so God is chosen out of love. Loving God robotically when there was no other option brings less honor and glory to God than renouncing all the lies to which Eve and Adam fell prey in the first place. Creation gets set on its proper footing. God isn't out just to show he's more powerful. That's easy. He's out to prove that he's more desirable in the face of all sorts of other options and temptations. And when we honor him and serve him and choose him above all, when there could have been other choices, he gets infinitely more glory than when there were no other options to love. I hope that helps to kind of deal with that tricky question. Thanks for sending it in. Let's just pray together. Your word is good and it satisfies our hearts and our minds. And every day, because of the distractions, the temptations, the persecutions, the difficulties, we have opportunity, we have opportunity to show that devotion to Jesus is more satisfying than anything else. And oh God, this isn't just an intellectual issue. We want day by day for people to see the beauty of Jesus by the way we prioritize and choose him above all else. Grant that that be done everywhere this week in Cedarview Community Church. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, church. Thanks for your time. Love one another.